Like wish list for Bleach. Oh yeah. I dearly, dearly hope. I dearly hope that we're going to get like the grievous Anakining of Ichigo and Amagai. <laughs> I want. I want them to start to get close enough that we're like, oh, they're finally gonna meet. And then like every for like four weeks, they keep getting like, you know, like they're running across, uh, like. They're both running in a hallway, but there's a wall in between, so they don't know that the other person's there. You know, that kind of thing, where they're just like, they get within a meter, but there's always something that happens that they don't see each other. And then I want, like, Rukia to meet Kibune or something. So it's like, you're more like, alright, are we actually doing this now? But it's like, no, we're not We're not actually meeting yet. Oh yeah, no, like, we should, we should get, like, Rukia meeting Kibune, we should get, like, Orihime, like, doing a mission with Kira or something, like... Just mix up everything, but keep Ichigo and Amagai like completely str- complete strangers, and then at the end, just have them be like, "Who the fuck are you?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No. Um. These episodes. Episodes. That's all I have to say. That's 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 my leadoff point. I, I say episodes. Uh, we watched them. <laughs> there were two of them. There were two. They did sure get watched. This is It'll Wash Out, or should I say, It'll Watched Out. Ha 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 ha. That was nothing. Uh, I'm your co-host, Lily. And I'm your co-host, Sam. I'm Quinn. And we are gonna set a record since starting this filler arc and get into it a mere 19 minutes after starting the the call. Uh, So we're gonna start with episode 172. Which is, Kibune goes to war. The violent wind that rages. And fuck does that violent wind sure rage. So, we start with some nameless Squad 3 dudes just chasing a cat. Kira shows up, and senses the cat behind him, and he like jumps for it, but it like jumps out of the way and onto a wall. Um, And Kibune is already on top of the wall and manages to catch it as it does. Uh, they check a missing cat poster that they have on hand and confirm it is the right one for the poster. And one of the guys in the squad, who I believe is the one of the two people who's been like constantly shitting on Kira since the beginning of this arc, um, is just like wondering aloud why they're even chasing cats for aristocrats anyway. Uh, and then another guy comments that yesterday they were acting as security guards for doing for like a clothing sale. Already off to a strong start with this episode. Yeah, like, Devin is like, oh, okay, so Squad 3 is doing, like, all the shit jobs, I guess. Uh, but, 
I was just so distracted this entire time because I'm watching the, this intro of an episode and I'm like, this is just the Naruto like cat chase scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just the scene from like episode four or five or whatever it was. Naruto did do it is the thing. I I was literally like telling Nova about what was happening in the episode and they're like, that's just Naruto. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. But, like, it works. I'm into it. Um, Kibune states that the captain probably has his reasons for having them handle this kind of work. Uh, and asks for Kira's opinion. But Kira doesn't really have much of one to share. Uh, one of the members says he prefers work that he could be passionate about. And Kibune is like, well, never mind that. Let's go out for drinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he invites Kira out for drinks as well. Uh, and Kira's like, um, I just have to go write up the report. Bye. <laughs> and leaves. Um, we get a cutaway to Kira knocking on the captain's office door. And upon entering, he sees a hallucination of Gin Ichimaru greeting him. This is good. I really like that it did this, frankly. Um, yeah, I was like, oh boy, he's got the PTSD. He sure has trauma is the thing. And I don't blame him. It, the hallucination quickly dissipates, however, as new captain, Shusuke Amagai, looks at him and goes, Hey, uh, are you good? <laughs> uh, Kira's just like, oh no, I was just, um, startled because you called me by my first name, Izuru. Uh, and Shusuke's like, well, I thought it would help me fit in with the rest of the squad if I just start calling everyone by their first names. Uh, and Kira's like, uh-huh. Well, uh, that'll just take some getting used to. I'm gonna start heading for the door now. Uh, and Shusuke's like, oh, so you don't like it. Uh, I'll, I'll just come up with another idea. It's fine. Um, Kira asks about tomorrow's plans, which involve wall repairs with Squad 12. And all my guys like, yeah, no, it's just repair work, standard stuff. And Kira just like goes, well, that's kind of the problem. I, I don't get why the squad is doing such, like, menial work. We're doing the shit jobs. And Amagai raises, like, a pretty good point here. Uh, because he says that with the betrayal of Ginichimaru, Squad 3, in particular, lost a lot of trust. And it takes time and effort to build that back. Uh, he says he doesn't know how things will play out in the future, but it's better to do this kind of work now rather than ignore it. And he says that seeing the way Kira acts, uh, he believes that Gin played too large a role in his squad, uh, and that Kira is different from Gin. Nobody expects the same thing from him. Uh, he openly says that a charismatic captain is one way to bring a team together, but once that pillar is gone, the team breaks down. Uh, so he says he wants to build Squad 3 into something new, together with both Kira and Kibune, with all three of them acting as pillars for the squad. Uh, and then he asks where Kibune is, but I, I wanted to touch down just on this whole section, because he brings up some really fucking good points and really good ideas about leading the squad genuinely. Yeah, yeah. it does feel like something he should be telling the rest of his dudes. You know, like, oh, for sure. You know, something like the captain being like, guys... Not gonna lie, we're gonna have a couple of real shit jobs for the next couple of weeks. But you have to understand, everyone fucking hates our guts and thinks we're gonna stab them in the back. We're just gonna, we're just gonna take care of some work, show them that we're cool. 
you know, build up some of that trust, and then we can go do, like, some cool shit. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, on Wednesday, we're painting the, uh, the Kuchki estate. Uh, it needs new off-white coloring, so we have to go do that. God. It, it's, like, it's good, though, because, like, it, it makes sense to me that he would, like, tell Kira this first, ju- uh, just because, like, being the lieutenant, it's, like, probably want your lieutenant and your third seat in on what the plan is, uh, even before the rest of the squad, just so they're expecting it and not, like, surprised when you just call them out in front of the rest of the squad. Right, absolutely. But, overall, like, really good ideas about leading the squad. Um, so, bu uh, Kira explains that Kibune is out drinking with the others, and after the battle the other day, uh, you know, the one where all the Menos showed up in, like, the Don guy. Uh, the squad has really warmed up to the new third seat. Amagai's like, ah, I see. Well, I should call the day, too. And Kira asks if anything else- uh, he tells Kira that if anything else is bothering him, just go take a break. It's fine. The next day, it's time for squad training. Uh, Amagai tells the squad there's been an increase in stronger enemies, like what happened in the Dongai, and from now on, the squad is going to be practicing teamwork more effectively. Uh, so he hands out some colored headbands, and he's gonna say a color, and those with that color will suddenly become the enemy, with the rest fighting together in groups of three. Uh, he says the enemy color will change periodically, and the instant it does, the roles will be reversed. Uh, this is to help, like, decision-making skills in the heat of battle. Uh, and he's like, alright, Kibune, you get in the group and lead the exercise. And Kira's like, can can I join too? Like, I'll, I'll help. And Abagai's like, no! <laughs> Kibune was in the expedition unit, and he already knows this training. So he's gonna lead the group. You just stay out here and watch. <laughs> now, if I harbored suspicions that Amagai might end up being a bad guy mm-hmm. during this uh during this arc and that he was trying to do something like make like replace Kira with Kibune <laughs> this is kind of, probably the kind of thing that i would assume that he would he might do yeah <laughs> yeah no like it is a little hard to tell if he's just like um a little oh god what's the word i'm looking for um like genuinely thinks oh well you know Kibune has done the training before, so he can, like, properly lead them through it, and then you can watch from the sidelines and see what he does, so you can do it next time kind of deal. Yeah, Um, I mean, yeah, I think my biggest problem is then when you see the actual exercise, (laughs) the tactic is make a triangle around them. It is make a triangle around them. But But making a triangle around the different colors isn't, like, I've, I've done a similar thing in, like, gym classes, and it's not... It's not easy to just switch it on a dime, right? Sure, but I don't necessarily see that Amagai is contributing to that in any significant capacity in this scene. Or not Amagai, but Kibune. Is what we're saying, is is Amagai a PE teacher? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't wait for him to pull out the, like, little, like, hand scooters, you know? Like... The little, like, four-wheel squares that, like, you run your hands over on accident all the fucking time. I like, have no idea what you're talking I, about. You are oh, speaking gibberish to me. Is this just a, is this just like a Washington State thing? Hold on. 
Uh, hold on. Floor scooters PE class. I'm, I'm looking this up. Yeah, hold on. I, I found exactly what I'm looking for. Right on Amazon.com. Let me, uh, just... This shit. Never seen that before in my life. Holy oh, shit. Oh, those things. Yeah, I'm... I've seen these. I've seen these. They're like little little scooters with like uh, they're basically just a little square, like sixteen inches by sixteen inches, is what this says. Uh, they got handles on the side and four wheels, and they are right next to the floor. So you sit your butt down on them and just start like you grab those handles, you start rolling. Now uh, and I understand that it says scooter in the product description. I would never in any universe call this a scooter. Oh, me either. It's Don't a, worry. It's a like, board. It's a board with wheels. It's it is a board with wheels. But I want Amagai to pull this out during the next squad training. That's what I want. Okay, but what if he only pulls out one and he makes Kira sit on it? Oh, okay. I see. So <laughs> what you're saying is that he he wants Kira to really be the class clown. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Oh, holy shit. Uh, so, the training begins. Uh, they do make a bunch of triangles, though. Uh, and it's really funny, because they make a triangle, and you're like, alright, are they gonna, like, do a move or anything? No. And then, before they do it, <laughs> other guy's just like, alright, the color's purple now. And they're like, oh, fuck, shit. And they have to jump around and make another triangle around someone else. And then it's over in, like, 15 seconds. Yeah, they don't. Need, they don't need to do the fighting part. They already know how to fight. It's just the they didn't know how to make a triangle. Yeah, they just need to. <laughs> they just need to know to set up in the in the tri- in the triple attack. And they're like, they're okay, learning now their you shapes. <laughs> right. Nobody on the squad knew about flanking bonuses before. <laughs> <laughs> they're learning their positionals. Thank God. After training, the team is like in the locker room, and they're like, "Damn, training went so good." It's totally different from how Gin used to train us. Uh, but they're all like, damn, this was great. We, I feel like we're finally working together. Um, I love to be on a team. I love to be on a team. Maybe the new captain has some good ideas. Um, and then, like, the two uh, that are constantly shitting on Kira are just like, man, Kira fucking sucks. But Kibune, he's cool. He could be the new lieutenant. While Kira's just listening from around the corner. (laughs) So do we think these two are going to be, like, tricked into being a sacrifice for something? Or are they going to end end up being evil? Like, they're going to to fight against the good guys? I don't know. I always just kind of thought of them as a kind of a chorus. That's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm kind of thinking that, like, when, uh, when Kibune does, like, the big reveal... Or when it gets dropped that Kibune is actually evil and gay, um, that these two guys are going to be like, what? and they're going to have like real trouble coping with that fact, and then they're going to get murked by Kibune. Is that's my guess? I I, I think Kibune is just going to be like, no, I fucking hate you, actually. So you're going in with the like the betrayal or sacrifice route? Yeah, because I think it's it's equally as likely that like there's a fight at some point that breaks out with Kibune on one side and Kira on the other, and they're like, Kibune would never lie to us. And then they get <laughs> murked before they learn the truth. More on this later. <laughs> uh, so, 
basically, Kira's listening to uh, these guys just, like, shit-talking him from around the corner and trying to hold back tears. And then Kibune, like, approaches him and is like, damn, are you chill with that? Are you, like, good with them saying that, bro? And Kira's like, well, I... And Kibune doesn't even really give him the chance to answer. He's just like, ah, I see. It's like that, then. Um, Don't you and- ever wish you could go apeshit? <laughs> and then Kira's like, Kibune, you're just, like, so fucking hot and sexy. And also, you're, like, the coolest person in this squad. Uh, and Kibune's like, really? I was thinking the same about you. You're so great. And all that jazz. But then Kira, like, literally drops, uh, saying Kibune is better than he is, and just don't bother with me. Um, Kira then just, like, immediately tenses up and is like, don't forget that, I'm tired, and he just, like, leaves. And then we get a cutaway to him getting really fucking wasted with Renji and Tetsuzaimon? (laughs) The timescale of this episode is wild, because I can't... Under, like, I have a hard time figuring out if it's happening over the course of, like, 48 hours, or if it's actually, potentially more likely, more like, no, this is actually happening over weeks, and it's, like, catching up to the current present day when the other plots are happening. It is a bit weird of a time scale. Like, I think it's, like, over the course of a couple days. Like, it... Quinn, is that what you thought, too? Yeah. Like, I thought... Yeah, I, th- I would think that it was more like a couple days, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, because, like... It- it seemed like this started during the day. Uh, uh, Kira, like, takes some berating, and then, uh, like, I- I'm thinking cat chase in the morning, meeting with the captain also in the morning, training, like, early afternoon, drinking is in the evening, uh, and then future stuff happens at night, and it moves forward from there. I think it goes forward a day to... Oh, wait, no, the, uh, the captain meeting was at night, so... Like sunset, so the the training was the next morning. Yeah, that, like that's what I'm saying. It's it's pretty, it's it, it's a little vague. It's a little weird. Yeah, Kira is getting just completely plastic with with Renji and Tetsuzaimon. Yeah, and he just like slurs his words, and he's like, "I need another drink. Just give me one more, please." And Tetsuzaimon's like, "Damn, you're a strong drinker. Here, take some of mine." And he just pours some of his drink for Kira. And Reggie's like, yeah, no, you um, sure can drink, buddy. Are you good? And Kira's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Squad 3's just uh, changing a lot. And, uh, you know, it's just changing. It's totally fine. Everything's fine. Uh, and then Iba jumps in and is like, yeah, no, squads change a lot with new leadership. And, you know, it's normal for it to be confusing at first. But, you know... Oh, my guy's doing a great job so far. He's done a lot to improve Squad 3's rep in, like, a really short period of time. Uh, Izuru actually agrees with this, uh, to which Eva tells him, just be proud of it. Uh, you know, if you keep acting like this, I, I'm I'm thinking that Kibune guy might become the lieutenant. Uh, which literally Kira goes black and white and freezes, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm unreliable anyway. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, and as he's, like, having this panic attack, basically, uh, Shinsui and Amagai walk in, uh, basically, like, arm over the, uh, the other, um, and Renji's like, 
Why are they together? Uh, this is where the timetable gets confusing for me. Because then we get a cutaway to Shinsui and Amagai alone together, and it's very unclear if this is beforehand or after. Because I thought it was beforehand. Oh, I thought it was no, after. No, it, it, it's after. As they come in, they talk to a waitress, and she's, she asks them where they want to sit, and Shunsui asks if they can have a private booth. Okay, I missed that part. I, I totally missed that line. That clears things up. Uh, so we get a cutaway to them alone in a room together, just, like, sitting at opposite ends of a table with, like, sake cups. Um, Shinsui is like, well, I appreciate the invite, but, uh, wasn't expecting you to invite me for drinks. Can I ask why? Uh, Amagai says, I'll be straight with you, to which I say, no, you fucking won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shinsui's, li- Shinsui's like, well, you know, I appreciate you getting right to the point. Uh, and Amagai goes, yeah, no, uh, so would it be possible for the 13 court guard squads to work more closely together? Uh, Kiraku takes a sippy, and he's like, well, that's a difficult subject. Uh, to which Amagai just, like, doesn't let him finish his sentence, and he's like, no, I don't, like, expect it right away, but I think if we do this, and Kiraku's just like, Hold your horses there, partner! (laughs) Exactly, exactly that. He's like, don't worry, like, don't get too excited. Like, I appreciate the thought. I like it. You you know, you're young, but you've got a good head on your shoulders. And I think next time we get drinks, let's invite Ukitake and let's make this a three-way. Because um, I'm not taking initiative on anything. <laughs> He's like, I just think it would be better if my husband took care of the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> he literally is just like, I just don't want to take the lead on this. Um, so they agree to invite Ukitake next time, uh, and when Shinsui notices that Amagai doesn't have anything in his sake cup, he pours him a drink, and Amagai's, well, fuck, I can't, can't say no to that. Uh, so he reluctantly drinks it and instantly passes out. Uh, that night, we cut to Kira's office. Well, just, uh, uh to go back a little bit, there, so that scene, the scene itself makes sense right like you've got the mm-hmm. the well-meaning goofball captain shows up and then the other goofball but often like serious and responsible captain takes his idea of like you know i think we're too like locked in our silos and we should help each other out and then the other guy is like you know what that's kind of a, a good idea but you know, there's like politics or something uh, involved but in bleach the the reason that the court guards are, like, set up the way they are is because they all have a different job. Yeah. Like, they do different work. Like, one of them is... One of them is the army. Uh, like, the out, the army that goes outside. And then one of them is, like, the hospital. Yeah. Not that they can't, like, cooperate and do work together, which we have seen in other episodes and movies. <laughs> but... You know, it's it's weird for him to be like, listen, my division is all about like the intelligence and information. We're basically the spies of the of the country, and your division is like talking to the slums. <laughs> Could we talk to each other more? It it's good. I I do like it. Um, you're right though. Is the thing. Like, they do do, like, separate things. 
And I I would like to see what a more uh, unified soul society looks like in theory. I think it could be really interesting. It's it's weird to have the guy being like, hey, the firefighters should work more closely with the hospitaliers. True. I... I think one of the things I appreciate about, like, the stuff this episode is doing is it actually is doing a lot of work that Kubo fucking refuses to do in, like, actually paying attention to the squads and being like, hey, like, there, it's not, like, in-depth politics or anything, but it's like, okay, like, we, our reputation is, like, really bad because Gein, you know, kind of did that bad thing. So, you know, we gotta work that up, and also, like, this new captain straight up has, like, ideas for improving the overall function of the court guard squads, and it's like, okay, like, I'm down for Bleach just being about this for a while. Like, genuinely. It's Mm -hmm. chill and interesting. Like, it's fun to listen to and watch. Yeah, like, I think, I feel like it's, it's less that it's doing the work that Kubo didn't do and it's more like it's take it's taking the work that Kubo didn't show on the page and like bringing it to some logical conclusions mm-hmm. yeah like it's just like oh if if there are no named characters or faces from division 3 except for Kira at this time that must mean that they don't hang out with anyone and they prob people probably don't like them because of Ichimaru all right sweet mm-hmm. and then you know Taking that and working with it. Also, I made a mistake. Kyoraku is not the head of the Serite Rukungai Diplomacy Squad. He's part of the Reserves and Backup Squad. <laughs> that... Honestly, that's so fucking funny. Um, I didn't realize that. And it makes sense. It's very funny to think that he's just sitting there getting drunk to get... Just waiting to get called in as backup. Yes. Incredible. 10 out of 10. Love Kyoraku. <laughs> when he's not being... a a pervert. Yeah, the fucking duality. Yeah, he, that's the thing. He's great when he's not doing that. Whenever he's not next to Nanao. Exactly, exactly. So we get a cut to Kira's office, uh, and Kubune walks in, and he's like, well, did my patrol. No weird shit going on tonight. And basically, he just, like, finishes his report, and Kibune's like, Kira, you seem really focused or, like, out of focus. I can't tell which. Is something wrong? And Kira's like, it's nothing. Um, and he offers the new third seat some tea. Uh, Kibune's like, okay, no, something's definitely fucking wrong. So, you know, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Why aren't you confident? Why don't you act confident? Which is just, like, a hell of a thing to lead with. Why are you a wimp, Kira? Yeah, why do you fucking suck? (laughs) Uh, Kira looks downcast, uh, but before he can answer, right in the nick of time, um, seems like Kibune's, uh, whole, like, patrol might have been bad, actually, because a hell butterfly (laughs) appears, uh, and is like, hey, there's a suspicious shadow near the execution grounds? The two head to the grounds, and there's another squad member there who we've never seen before. And Kira's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and this guy's like, my name's Shinta Seko. It's okay, because, you know, I, I'm still new. I don't even have a seat ranking yet. Like, it's good. I'm just a little guy. I was flipping burgers last week. 
don't worry about me. God. I just got a promotion to one of the court god court guard squads. I can't even say the name right. Oh god, that that voice is a little weird to do, but I'm I'm sticking with it for him. Uh <laughs> Kibune asks about the location of the shadow, and Seko's like, well, you see, it went inside that big hole. You know, the execution hole. <laughs> and the ground collapses as they get closer to the hole. Uh right as they're like Damn, nothing could survive that fall. <laughs> and then <laughs> Seko's like fucking up. Like, he's just falling. He doesn't know what to do. Kira catches him on the way down and lands on his feet and is totally fine, instantly proving himself wrong. <laughs> well, no, they had a bunch of parkour wall jumps, you see. That's true. They did have a bunch of parkour wall jumps. Uh, Kibune also lands on his feet. Uh, but then Kira gets hit by a rock, like a big rock on the shoulder, uh, which knocks Seko unconscious. And Kibuna's like, damn, are you good? And Kira's like, yeah, I'm fucking fine. <laughs> but there's no way to climb back up. Um, he's like, it's chill, though, because there should be an entrance somewhere down here where we bring in criminals to just leave them in this hole. Soul Society is addicted to dropping criminals in holes. Oh no, they don't drop criminals in holes. They put them in holes and then they unleash a bunch of hollows to fight them to the death. That's true. And then they watch at the top. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Because <laughs> that happened uh, the uh, thing yeah. in the Soul Society arc. Yeah. When yeah. they were when they were uh, invading Soul Society, this uh, Ganju fights Yumichika yep. next to this hole. Quinn, I'm giving you a gold star for remembering a thing from an earlier arc of Bleach. Hey. Good job. Proud. Yeah. <laughs> they love this stuff. They do love this stuff, is the thing. This really fucked up stuff. It's <laughs> it's one of the clearest examples of, like, they're the bad guys in this arc, but in this arc, they're our friends. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they're still fucked up, because they were bad guys. They were bad guys, though, is the thing. And mm -hmm. it it is very clear they are still cops. Yep. God. Um... So they go to look for this entrance, um, but immediately they're like, okay, we're feeling some fucked up spiritual pressure here. So they investigate the worst jail cells I've ever seen, um, because there's just some, like, bars in the side of the fucking hole, uh, and there's a bunch of hollows down there, and the hollows just walk right through the bars. <laughs> like, it, they might as well not even be there. They are just chilling, is the thing. So the two start fighting the hollows, uh, as one of them starts to consume the now unconscious Seko, like just absorbing Seko into his chest. It's kind of fucked up. It is fucked up, is the thing. Yeah, never seen a hollow do that before. The hollow's like, I gotta fill my hole. <laughs> he does gotta fill his hole, is the thing. Uh, Kibuta unleashes his Zompakto, which is like. It's like a big handle with two spi giant bladed spikes, like, from each end of it, and then, like, a curved blade. Like, mm -hmm. imagine, like, basically one of Ikaku's Bankai yeah, blades. Yeah. It's one of those, it's but bigger. cool. I also, this is where I'm gonna come in with some hot takes from the dub. Um, okay. I just... So the name of the Zanpakuto is Deppu. Um and the way that the English uh, voice actor pronounces that is 
Repu. <laughs> I I I adore that. Frankly, I I think everybody should just get a little bit of Repu. Yeah, he really hit the poo. God. And there's uh another thing. I guess I might as well say it now. That um in a second here, Kira is going to activate his Zanpakuto, right? And yeah. Uh, listeners might know that his command is raise your head, Wabiske. So Wabiske is the name of his Zanpakuto. My subtitles read, raise your head for a bee sting. <laughs> what? These are the official <laughs> subtitles on Hulu. I'm not, I'm not going uh-huh. to strange places for these subtitles. It just says raise your head for a bee sting. I, I almost would have preferred it if they just mispronounced the name for all those syllables and just said Wabisuke. I would yeah. I would almost prefer that. Maybe he's a big Soyfon fan. He, he might be a big Soyfon fan. Maybe he just wants her autograph. Yeah. God. Uh either way, like it's I, I don't hate the Zompakto. I do I do wish it wasn't just one of Ikaku's one of Ikaku's Bankai blades, but overall, like it's not bad. Uh, he like throws it and it like zips back to his hand like a boomerang, which is kind of neat. I like that. It it's kind of weird that he like he he just has like telekinetic control of it. I guess yeah, <laughs> that that part's kind of cool. He does like kind of like a little lightsaber toss, but instead of it like doing the spinny thing that lightsabers do when you do the lightsaber toss, it just kind of goes out forward and then returns to his hand. It, like the opening shows us that he can throw it out spinning. That's <laughs> it's exciting. Just in, in this episode, he's just like making it move forward and like n- gently nudge into people's b- chests. <laughs> it is cool though because he does slice the hollows though. He does slice the hollows. Um, Kira starts working on some too. Uh, and then some of the hollows that happen to have wings just fly up out of the pit. Uh, Kira's like, God damn it. And then Kibune starts slowly walking towards one of the hollows that he had previously cut. The one that was holding Seko that is now on the ground. Uh, and he gets ready to attack, but Kira flash steps in front of him and uses Wabiske to stop him from attacking. He's like, what What the hell are you doing? And the third seat's like, oh, I'm just putting an end to the hollows, you know, as I do. Uh, Kira goes, well, what about Seko? And immediately, with zero fucking, like, real buildup here, Kibune just goes, that fool has ferried to carry out his duties yeah, as a soul no, reaper. Falling into it. Switches <laughs> so hard. He's just immediately like, yeah. It's time for the fool to die. He knew what he signed up for when he became a soul reaper. <laughs> he knew that hollows could suck him in to fill their holes. A thing we all knew hollows could do before right now. <laughs> and if you slice their mask off while it happens, it'll definitely kill the guy who got sucked. We all know this. This isn't news to anyone, you fool. <laughs> you fucking nerd. <laughs> that man was scum. <laughs> like, God, he literally just starts calling the guy scum. Um, he literally out loud to Kira just goes, 
he failed to carry out his duties as a soul reaper, falling into enemy hands, and now he's lying in disgrace. Anyone who becomes a soul reaper should be prepared to die in battle. He's been on the job for three minutes. (laughs) Yes, he just got this post! He doesn't even have (laughs) benefits yet. He literally just got hired on. He's still in training. Like, we had a full team exercise, and he wasn't there yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) By becoming a burden, that scum has endangered us all and does not deserve to live. He then goes on to ask why Kira would protect scum. And then goes... It's that kind of attitude that made you fail to prevent Gein's betrayal. And yeah. Kira's just like, I, I, um, uh, what, I, 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 you, you might be, uh, and then he, like, has a PTSD flashback <laughs> to what Gein put him through. Like, dude, Kibune, chill. The guy has trauma. You're, he has anxiety. Yeah, it's like. I I really like this turn on the like you know we've been we've been calling out that this guy looks like a fucking villain since day one. Sure, he's uh, a gay villain. But yeah, sorry, gay villain. Uh, but I like this bit because it's it shows that he's like yeah he's like a weird like fascist asshole, but also he can he can be chill and hang out with the guys and go for beers and then also be a weird fascist asshole that evening. Right. At day, at day, he's just hanging out with the boys, get, cracking open a cold one. At night, he's exacting his vengeance upon other soul reapers that he deems unfit for the job. Like, his whole argument is, they caught him slipping. They did catch him slipping, though. God. Yeah, like, he fucked up, he's not good at his job, and thus we should terminate him. Right. You will never catch me slipping, Kibune says. He works he works as an assistant manager at the local Soul Soul Society Taco Bell, and he sees someone not steam the quesadilla fully. Uh and he goes, Alright, bitch, time to get in the fryer. You're dying. <laughs> that's that's how we act. Like your hands going in there next, you're gonna feel how long it takes to fully steam that thing. God, he's fucked up. So after Kira starts having this PTSD flashback, because it is literally that, um, He's, like, struggling to answer, and Kibune is like, well, it seems you lack the will as well. So he throws his weapon at Kira, causing a burst of energy, Mm -hmm. which dissipates the rest of the hollows. It's literally that powerful. Mm -hmm. And then Captain Amagai shows up at the top of the pit. He's like, hey, guys, what's going on? Are you good? Oh, you know, just having fun in the pit. Yeah, having a great time in the pit. They keep calling it a hole. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why they keep calling it a hole, but it is a hole, technically. I still don't understand- I don't understand why- Because the idea is that this thing is, like, an old- Like, this pit is, like, an old barbaric practice that they don't do anymore. But they still just have hallways that lead to it on either side. (laughs) Without any kind of guardrails or anything. They're just, like- They've been meaning to get around to it. It's just, like, hard to prioritize. Squad Squad 3's scheduled for it next week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but Ga- Captain Amagai shows up with some other squad mates uh, He's like, are you guys good? And then Kibune instantly just puts on his like regular guy face And is like, oh yeah, no, we're good um, A squad member was attacked, though, by Hollows 
Uh, and he's heavily injured, uh, so we should, you know, get him taken care of. And Amagai's like, alright, wait there, I'll get the med team. Uh, Kira then inspects Wabiske and finds there is now a crack in it from the impact of, um, Repu. Mm-hmm. So, he goes to Amagai, uh, at the top of the pit, and he asks about the hollows that fled to the sky. Amagai says it's chill, because some nearby squadmates saw them and informed him, so they already took care of it. Uh, Kira, Kira apologizes for not being, like, up on that. Uh, and then another squadmate informs the captain that, that Squad 4 took Seko in to uh, be healed and taken care of, but his wounds are really deep and he may not survive. Uh, which fucked up if true. Rip Seko, we hardly knew ye. Rest in peace, Seko. We'll never... We'll never know you well. I'll always remember you, though. Um, he also tells the captain that it seems the floor around the execution hole had been made to collapse much in a Home Alone situation way, where it would just be a trap. Um, which prompts Kira to look to Kibune, with suspicion, who is just busy talking to the squadmates who are constantly shitting on Kira, uh, and being like, are you guys good? Like, anything else to report? Uh, and then Kibune looks back at Kira like, what? Did I do something wrong? Uh, Amagai, like, looks at them. He looks at Kira. Looks at Kibune. Looks back at Kira. He's like, is there, um, something up here? Uh, Kira does his classic bit of I, not answering, just kind of stuttering through it. And then Kibune's like, yeah, no, nothing's wrong. Smile. Uh... Amagai says they're being strange, but accepts it. And we really are just going to get the fucking, like, demon child arc here, where, like, <laughs> Kibune's, like, constantly fucking showing his true evil self only to Kira. Oh, he's but not evil. He just wanted to get rid of a hollow. And then Kira was like, hey, that's fucked up. There's a dude in that hollow. And then stood in his way. <laughs> that's Kira's fault. But I do think if Kibune just laid out the facts to, like, say, Squad 11, or maybe even, like, half of Squad 6, mm -hmm. there, like, a bunch of Soul Reapers would be like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally what you should have done. I, I don't disagree is the thing, actually. I do feel like this is probably going to be the arc, though, where he's constantly just acting evil in front of Kira exclusively, and then Kira's going to go to the captain and be like, hey, um, Kibune's a little fucked up. And Amagai's like, I don't know. I trust that guy. He was with me on the expedition squad. What do you mean he put poison in the Captain Commander's drink? See, the Captain Commander is drinking it and nothing's happening. Well, he hasn't spoken for 20 minutes. That's just how the Captain Commander is. <laughs> don't worry about it. He's just taking a nap. He's getting old. <laughs> God. Um, we immediately cut to Mayuri being in this episode as he chews out Amagai asking what's to be done about his test hollows, his precious test hollows. Uh, guy questions what he has to do with test hollows, uh, but then Nemo just like goes, well, we have this testing facility, seems like somebody unlocked the testing facility and freed all the hollows in it. And guy's like, damn, who would be doing this? Uh, and then Mayuri blames and berates Nemo in classic Mayuri fashion. Horrible, I hate it. I fucking hate Mayuri so much. Um, Nemu apologizes, and then Mayuri goes on to blame Captain Amagai, and Kira glances to Kibune again. The next day, 
doors at a Senkai Mon open, and the guards rush to it, and they're like, damn, this has been happening, like, weirdly often lately, but nobody ever comes through. Weird as shit. Must be a malfunction in the doors. So, a small figure that they don't notice just rushes right on through, and of course it's Rui Chio, who has slipped back into Soul Society, supposedly undetected. But immediately, a figure steps before her, she has a look of surprise, and the episode ends. Her hat falls off, at which point I thought, she needs a goddamn chin strap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she needs, at the very least, something that'll make it, like, fall onto her shoulders, you know? Buckle that thing on. Yeah, get get this girl a chin strap, come on. You are constantly, constantly having this happen, so... Also, she zooms. She fucking zooms through that door. She gets a wide distance away before the guards, like, close the door and turn around. Yeah, she really does. She also, like, manages to zoom through at right the perfect moment so they don't see her. It looked... Like, I could not tell if she was doing, like, an invisibility thing for a second, or if she just rushed through, or is it the hat that makes her invisible? I don't fucking know. Yeah, I I don't know. I got the sense that, yeah, the, the hat is... Keeping her invisible. Because it, like, hides her spiritual pressure, right? Like, I think we got that detail, like, when she first entered, like, the human world, but I can't remember. Either way, though, I liked this episode a lot, actually. I... The downtime with the squad is actually stuff I generally like to see. I do wish they wouldn't just constantly shit on Kira, and that he would do anything other than, like... stammer his way through words but i i think it makes sense for where he's at as a character so i'm not gonna be too hard on it for that uh i don't have much to complain about with this episode except my ori yeah like i have the similar thoughts to last to last week where i'm not super into the like ultra woobification of Kira. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I like seeing Kira have a bad time on screen. He's yeah. a fun character for that to happen to. And this is a this is a fun way to be like have have him be in a like kind of the main character of a plot mm-hmm. and also have that plot being like, hey, like he wants to be friendly with the captain, but the captain's like kind of uh undermining him like with with the with the the squad and then the other guy that he's supposed to be like working out with is actually an evil demon baby like (laughs) (laughs) he's he's just gonna turn around and it'll be like who set that stuff on fire it was kibude no it wasn't kibude was over here in a stroller the whole time you know shenanigans we know what's up the thing that's getting me is that kibune i'm realizing is just He's just Xylopora, but less of a gay freak. Like, he's gay, but he's not as much of a freak as Xylopora. Mm-hmm. And he's not as fashionable, either. Well, it's like I said the first time he showed up. He looks like Xylopora's, like, little cousin who just put on a shirt made of feathers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the post-credits bit this time, Sam? So, the post-credits bit is... We start with Ichigo having been called to Byakuya's room to, like, talk about something. And, you know, he does his... He closes his eyes and... Ichigo Kurosaki. And, whoops, surprise, Yachiru has a tunnel that leads directly to Byakuya's house. So she shows up and she's like, Ichigo, come play with me. 
And he's like, oh, uh, sure. Sorry, Miyakio. We could do whatever the fuck you wanted, like, later, I guess. But ciao. And then he leaves, and Miyakio just, like, reopens his eyes, and he's like, stop using my first name. Also, where the f- what? <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> Why is there a trapdoor in my house? It's pretty good. It's a decent bit. <laughs> it's pretty- I love- there's, like, this- this is, like, the second or third time that we've seen, uh, like, Byakuya and Yachiru in these uh, post-credits bits, and I just love the way that they have him be like, oh, yeah, no, he just lets her do whatever the fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He do be letting her do whatever the fuck, though, is the thing. God. Maybe the, se- we- the, the secret is just you don't ask him for permission. Yeah, because he does seem to just let her do whatever. Uh, and I do... Okay, I got it. It's because he knows if he stopped her, he would incur Kenpachi's wrath. And he knows that Kenpachi could beat him in a fight, is the thing. I don't think he's scared of Kenpachi. I think he doesn't want to talk to Kenpachi, period. Fair. <laughs> Fair. It's like, I would have to talk it out with her. No. No. Because then he would want he would want to fight, and I just don't want to... He, he, that would just be such a waste of my time. Be a waste of my time and energy. I have seven more estates to buy. Uh, <laughs> I have to go get another braid, uh, another like braid accessory that costs as much as three fucking houses to go pick up. Ugh. God. Ah oh, man, good times in the Kuchki estate. That being said, though, I think it's time to cut the break. Let's get right back into it with episode 173. The appearance of the great evil. The darkness in the house of Kasumiyuchi. Dun dun dun. We're really here. We're doing this. So we start at the bit, not from last episode, but from last week's episode, where Enraku and Kenkaku are, like, breaking into Ichigo's house. And then we repeat the bit from last episode where the door was closing and Ruichio just like ninja dashes through it. You mean Enryu and Kenryu, right? Right. I might. Did I write Enraku and Kinkaku in every single thing? No, I did write Kenryu and Enryu. Thank God, I was so confused for a second. <laughs> Kakaku. Kakaku. Shiba? And, uh, yeah, so we see Ruichio like running through it, and this time we see who's the person who, like, showed up and surprised her. It's Kuboi, the monkey man himself. <laughs> he looks markedly less evil this time. Yeah, and, like, as soon as, you know, they start talking and a bunch of her family shows up and Kuboi is, like, asking where the f- where she's been and she's like, fuck you, you're not my real dad, I go where I want, I'm a noble. She ain't wrong. <laughs> and she immediately tells him to prepare her palanquin as she's got a tea ceremony to go to. And when she leaves, Kumoi talks to Hanza, you know, like the ninja assassin leader, who just appears and disappears from the shadows. It's not the usual, like, swift motion teleport that most the ninjas usually do. Mm-hmm. He fades in from the shadows in like a fun Yeah, it's like he's it's like he's a creature made of shadow. Yeah, ex- except the shadow is also like a bad 3D effect. Yeah. 
So it's, it's it is cool and uncool at the same time. In only the way like a 2010, uh, sorry, 2008 anime episode can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also want to like shout out to the weird, the weirdly sexy like one sleeved skin type crop top thing the palanquin bearers are wearing under their hakamas. I understand that it's a combination like glove and shoulder guard so that they don't get hurt holding the palanquin, but it looks like something you put on a twink's design when you're hemming and hawing over like, I, do I give him a pierced lip or an eyeshadow? Yeah. Like, like visual aid. It looks like something you make you make this guy wear. <laughs> do we mm-hmm. think Kubo designed these outfits? Hmm. I guess I don't have. St- it's possible. I don't have any strong opinions on it. Like, it definitely feels like someone could just like follow his vibe to there. Yeah, like, sure. I think he was involved in the design, in, or at least in like approving the designs for all the main characters. I, I don't think he, I don't think he'd go in like that far. That's fair. But you know, who knows? Maybe he was like really involved in. No, it has to be. It has to look like this because that's the vibe of Soul Society. Maybe, it, maybe. It who wouldn't knows? surprise me if he got involved. Given that, if I remember correctly, he was particularly unhappy with the Bount arcs. Mm. Um, so it would not surprise me if he like wanted a bit more direct involvement with the filler stuff. But I also agree that I don't think he would have the time to like design all of these characters and outfits. So I think it's very possible that like he was just approving designs, like you said. Yeah, after this, the private Senkaimon like opens again. Rukia Ruki and Ichigo come in first, and then the guards are like, who the fuck are you? And then the two retainers come in, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he, he ba- uh, Kenryu basically says, the only people who can open this door are people who have the authority to go through it, so it doesn't even fucking matter if you guys are here to do your job. That is basically what he tells them. <laughs> It doesn't even matter, and it it wouldn't matter even if they weren't there, because they're shit at their job anyway. <laughs> True. But we immediately flash back to Orihime, Chad, and Uryu saying, Hey, um, remember that we're human and we can't go through these fucking gates? So anyways, <laughs> this is why we won't be in this arc, bye. God. <laughs> they really do do that, though. Yeah, I assume... I assume that they're going to, like, head over to... Um, Urahara's place and like get him to send up to like set up his transfer his transfer thing and they'll they'll convert over to spirit mode over the next like four or five days of time or whatever you so, know so they can like stand on the sidelines in soul society so they can have exactly half a fight each <laughs> yes <laughs> oh god but you know we'll see we'll see what happens uh, Ichigo like as the as he's running, he he says that the princess is like is blunt, which earns him a hell of an elbow to the head. <laughs> it's true, and you know they they continue the bit where like Ichigo is not going to fucking apologize. He has his opinions, and his opinions make both of the retainers try to beat the shit out of him. Oh, but the main part of the scene is that they're like, hey, like she is a child. She's like ten years old or whatever. It's, it's, somehow she's a spirit whatever um so you know we shouldn't like super we should try to figure out why she would come back uh she she probably just she has a reason 
she wouldn't come back here for no goddamn reason. So, you know, let's split up and and find her. Uh, so they split up. Ichigo is, like, in, like, a marketplace area. Rukia's just walking around those infinite empty halls. <laughs> those infinite empty alleyways that are just 90% of Soul Society. And then she bumps into Kenpachi and Yoroichi. <laughs> and they're like, hey, why are you here? And at first she doesn't want to answer. And they're like, is Ichigo there? <laughs> and since Ichigo is around and he's real worked up, both of them manage to sense him somehow, despite this, this being like one of Zaraki's two confirmed character traits. God. Also, to confirm... I don't mean to, like, correct your names again, but it's Yachiru, not not Yoruichi. I was like, wait, Yoruichi was in this episode for a second? But no, you're no, right. It's, it's, it's Yachiru. It's it's the child. The, the bubblegum child. It is the bubblegum child herself. And Kenpachi's like, anyway, he hasn't come to say hi to me directly, so I should go greet him instead. Then maybe murder him, but just a little and, like, in a friendly way, you know. As I do. Yeah, as he does. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird to me, because I'm like, I feel like Zaraki's whole I can't sense other people because my spirit pressure is so fucking huge is one of the only character traits that he has. It's like one of the only like things that we know about him outside of actual battle. <laughs> well, you see, one of the bells on his hair has actually been replaced with an Ichigo sensor. Uh, so anytime Ichigo is, like, in town, all the bells just start jingling, uh, and he immediately knows that because he hasn't moved, Ichigo must be in town. That makes me think of a new theory, which is Yachiru told him that, and every time she senses Ichigo, she, like, manually just reaches out and (laughs) rings one of the bells. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. That's really good. (laughs) Just being a little gremlin. Love her. So, coming out of the mansion grounds, we've got Kenryu and Enryu, and they find her, her, like, princess outfit with her her hat. They find it outside of a building, and then they go in, everything's dark, and the door closes itself and locks itself, and Kamoi's like, (laughs) Stay in there quietly until I've killed the princess. (laughs) It's so much. It's like, alright guy, I get it. You're the secret evil villain guy. He just simply loves to be an evil monkey man. He's like, I'm so excited for the point where I can stop pretending to be not a villain. God... Ruricio arrives at her destination, uh, which is the home of another girl her age and also wearing fancy kimonos. The pair go inside. Just, it's really funny because there's the bit where they just like they go inside just as Ichigo turns a corner and he's like, oh, hey, it's Ruricio. <laughs> but then we don't follow up with Ichigo for a while because we have to learn that the girl, we don't know her actual name. We just know that Ruricio calls her Sachi and she calls Ruricio Ruricci. Mm-hmm. Um... So the girls are excited to see each other and reminisce, and they're also, like, having a tea party with four other nameless, presumably noble girls. Uh, you know they're good friends, because they have a secret pedicate handshakes and everything. Right. Yeah, the uh, wiki says this girl's name is Sayori, apparently. Mm. That was never said, but apparently that's her name. <laughs> Maybe we'll get it in another episode. 
And then there's this fantastic shot of the camera, like, zooming out of the tea party, pulling back over the lake, and a, a single bush, like, rustles, and then it immediately cuts to commercial, and I'm like, was it, was it that the wind is making the bush rustle, or is there supposed to be a ninja in there? God. If, if he's a ninja, he's remarkably bad at his job, rustling those bushes that much. Yeah. When we come back from commercial, uh, Kenryu and Enri are still stuck in the shed. Uh, they have managed to pop open a window, but then they fall over. Back at the party, Ichigo's walking around, like, just outside the grounds, and he's trying to explain to the guards, like, hey, I am a substitute soul reaper, and yada yada, and they're like, this man is sketch as hell. Because Soul Society still hasn't, like, announced that he exists. Like, Soul Society still has not told anyone, I guess, hey, substitute Soul Reapers are a thing. <laughs> Nobody fucking knows. They're always like, soul substitute Soul Reaper, that sounds fake as hell. Arrest him. You would think they would say something, considering he, like, kind of saved their asses a little bit. Just a little bit. Um... He shumpos away, and eventually he arrives inside the tea party, and all the girls are like, oh my god, we're going to fucking die. He asks Ruichio to, like, come with him, and as he does so, just, like, a ton of guards show up, and Ruichio's like, well, I don't want to fucking leave. Nope, don't know this guy. He's sketch as hell. <laughs> so he's got to shumpo away again. Uh, Ruichio, like, doesn't... She's like, ah, oh, he's ruined the mood. I have to walk away from the party for now. So she's walking around. She finds a little crying girl, question mark. She's like, are you the daughter of a of a servant, I guess? It's like this child looks like they're four, maybe five. And uh, she tries to help her. And then the girl, like, grabs her hand, brings her to a different gate. Uh, not a Senkaimon, just like a normal, just normal gate to the grounds. But then, turns out, she is also an assassin. With several knives. Dun dun dun. Ruby tries running, uh, but the four-year-old has the advantage of not being in a dress going down to her ankles. Thankfully, Ichigo shows up and just attacks the child <laughs> with this giant fuck-off butcher knife of a sword. I think we can all agree this is an incredible shot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the visual of them, like, clashing blades is fantastic. Uh, which is also what- <laughs> is also, like, weirdly good in this part. Like, she has some, like, really fluid motions as she, like, cuts down some guards with this tiny fucking knife. Yeah, like, a bunch of guards show up and they're like, he's got a sword and he's brandishing it at this tiny child and also Ruichiyo-sama. Fucking dogpile him. And they do. Uh, the murder baby starts running around taking out, like, five guards and yeah, the animation is kind of sick. <laughs> it's <laughs> great! And then it heads for Ruricio itself, or herself, only stopped when Kenpachi, like, breaks open the wall and grabs her hand. The assassin, uh, having secretly been a fully grown ninja in a tiny flesh suit, bursts <laughs> out of his disguise. <laughs> it, there's just, like, here's some bone-popping noises, and <laughs> now Zoraki's holding, like, flesh <laughs> so they attack Zoraki just kills them like super easily Rukia shows up like Ichigo why the fuck do you have 20 dudes what is happening I leave I, you for one minute it, it sounds it sounds insane and I can tell everyone it 
looks just as insane. It is so weird. But I love it? Question mark? Like, same vibes all around? Yeah. After this, we cut to to Ruricio, like, getting in her palanquin, and, 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 like, we cut to a scene where we see, like, two seconds of it, and then it immediately flashes back. And before I say anything else, I have to say that there is a... There's just the background shot of it, of this scene where it's Zaraki sitting at the table with all the 10-year-old noble girls. <laughs> and it's the <laughs> funniest shit in the world. He's just sitting next to all these all these girls that look slightly older than Yacharu. <laughs> and he's just hanging out at the tea t- at the tea ceremony. Maybe this is his happy place because it's just like being surrounded by like 20 Yacharus. Hmm. I don't even want to think about 20 Yachirus. <laughs> They're like 20 well-behaved Yachirus. Now that, that's much better. God. Uh, so in this scene, basically, uh, Saori like explains, hey, don't be mean to Ruricio. Like, I have a wedding coming up and mm-hmm. I'm going to marry someone I've never met. And I, after I meet them... Uh, after I, I wed them, I'm never going to see any of my friends ever again because their nobles have such a like hard life and everything. And Riccio just wanted to come to my tea party to like see me one last time, I guess. On one hand, I can understand the thought of nobility being not an easy thing if you're getting like into an arranged marriage you don't want to be in as a child but on the other hand fuck off <laughs> yeah no it's okay cool damn i being rich is so hard i hate having money yeah i like to think that's what ichigo's thinking this entire time like every time someone's like listen life is hard for Richio, he's like yeah i fucking bet you know what's <laughs> you know what life is also hard for all the people living in the goddamn slums outside your city Everyone in the slums is fucked up. I live in a fucking clinic. People get fucked up and come into my clinic and we have to take care of them? We don't have the beds for that. You think we have the beds for that? No, my dad works hard every day. Well. (laughs) Well. (laughs) He doesn't. My dad makes my sisters work hard every day. (laughs) It's a hard life here in the clinic. (laughs) God. Yeah, so in the present, Rukia asks Zaraki, like, hey, we're, we're, like, doing a thing. Could you, like, not tell anyone, please? And Kampachi's just like, I'm too busy to remember this shit. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> Anyways, I had fun today. Bring Ichigo back and I'll wear him ragged. End quote. He's too busy uh, waiting around for Ichigo to show up again. <laughs> Yeah, and then he walks off into the sunset with, like, a smooth jazz trumpet riff. Yeah, it's something. It really is something. It's like, where did this come from? But, like, then the trumpet gets interrupted by Ichigo feeling something, like, he's like, something wicked is observing us or something. I don't know, I had a vibe. And then we see the ninja leader be like, ah, he didn't even quiver under my spirit pressure. What an interesting guy. God. Like what is what is the deal with the villains in this arc? <laughs> They're a lot, yeah. 
do you think this ninja guy was like hiding his spiritual pressure or do you think he's more surprised that it seems insignificant to each of that was my understanding I, is the latter is that he's like yeah, oh like, he didn't he didn't like freak out yeah like i think he did like a like a targeted you're going to feel my spirit pressure and then we'll see because you know we've seen that the a captain level spirit pressure can like knock people out yeah. and Make, or like make them unable to walk and everything um which is a shame i i feel like we've we've completely walked away from that because of ichigo like going up the power levels but that was some of the coolest character entrances when people were literally like there is someone within a five block radius that is making me piss my pants i'm so scared yeah no that's the good shit that's the good bleach shit and it's not really a thing as much anymore mm-hmm. alas yeah, but that was the end of the episode. Uh, not really a, a bunch, not really a lot of, like, development, but it was some fun. As far as, like, little humor side episodes go, it was fun. Yeah, I had a good time with it. Like, overall, I, I don't have much to complain about. Yeah. There was, like, one bit where, like, Ichigo, like, very openly just yells talk at Enryu, which, like... I get it, I guess, but, like, I I could have done without that being in the episode, personally. But other than that, I don't really have much to complain about. Sure, mm. yeah. And, like, even though I didn't necessarily like the, um, weird, oh, it's so hard to be a noble thing, I do think that the whole context of Ruricio's visit and stuff was good. Like, I liked that. It's just when they parlay it into, like, this commentary about the lives of nobles i'm like oh come on like i i think i'm okay with them like talking about like the hardship of like an arranged marriage but like when they go into oh nobles lives are so hard like you're saying like it's just like mm, not sure about that one chief yeah rookie is literally like listen ichigo there are some like nobles have some difficulties that you as a commoner would never understand and i'm like rookie you grew up in a slum <laughs> yeah <laughs> you grew up in a slum and got picked up because you happened to look like a girl you happened to look like someone's dead wife so fucked up what the fuck are you talking about it's true it's true i always forget that's the reason she's a cooch key i all i'm always forgetting Honestly, God. every time she mentions, like, the difficulties of being a noble in this arc, I'm like, you got picked up for looking like someone's dead wife, and then literally a week later, you transferred into the army. I really want <laughs> one of these to just be, like, a bit where she says this in front of Renji, and Renji <laughs> just goes, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so the post-credits bit is... Uh, before the post-credits bits, there's always, like, jokes going over the next episode on oh, stuff. I'm glad you're bringing this one up. Uh, <laughs> and I just want to shout out this one, because it's like, wonder if we could trust Kimpachi not to report on us. Oh, don't worry, Kenchan doesn't remember shit and never files any reports. But then, who does your paperwork? Fuck if I know! <laughs> <laughs> it's good shit, I love it. Good going, Squad 11. <laughs> God. It's probably uh, that one that one uh, Maki guy that Yachu was always bullying. It could be Maki. It could end up all getting sent to Toshiro. It could all end up getting sent to Toshiro. 
Like, I imagine that what happens is one of the Squad 11 guys, like, who doesn't have, like, the proper forms to fill out, like, often just goes to Toshiro and is like, all right, well, here's what happened, boss. And Toshiro's just like, I, I'm already filling out paperwork. You can't just start going off about what happened. But then the guy just does not stop. So Toshiro's just like, oh, my God, fucking fine. And just reluctantly fills out the paperwork for him just to make it end. What if instead they say it to Rangiku and then Rangiku <laughs> goes, yeah, we'll get that report filed away right away. And then she just walks over to to her <laughs> boss and she's like, so anyway, did you hear what's going on in Squad 10, in Squad 11 today? <laughs> God. <laughs> she just gossips at him. I adore this. This is really good. And he's like, are you sure this is part of our daily report? She's like, absolutely. Uh, but the actual post credit scene is, uh, we just we just have Yachiru like going wild with a scooter in Byakuya's house, and he's like, "What, what the fuck are you doing?" That's oh, pretty funny. Baldi made the scooter for me. <laughs> no, I meant in my house. Why are you in my house? Because <laughs> it's big, you know. And then Byakuya's like doing some mental maths, and he's like, "Actually, you know what? More trouble than it's worth. I'm just." I'm just going to walk to the other side of this, like, city-sized house and just not bother. Um, but then a secret panel opens in his wall, and Nemu comes out to talk to Yachiru, and she's like, Chairman, it's time for sweets. And with a horrified look on his face, Byakuya realizes that the entire Shinigami Women's Association is, like, lounging around in a giant, massive room inside his walls. <laughs> The face he makes is maybe my favorite Byakuya expression hmm. of all time. It's really good. I don't know if you mentioned the bit. You probably did. I just probably missed it. Uh, that Yachiru says that the scooter was made for her by Ikaku for yeah. her birthday. Yeah, for her birthday. She's like, oh yeah, Baldi made it for me. It's really good. It's really good. I love this. Hmm. She's probably she is probably the kind of like small child who is an absolute terror if if their birthday doesn't go great though. Mm -hmm. True, true. And then they have Kenpachi to reckon with. Yeah. So Kaku's like, no, listen, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make her a scooter. She's gonna go, and I'm going to tell her to go ride it at Byakuya's place because it's big and there's space for yep. it. And uh, she won't be in my in my hair. She won't be my problem. Good job. Classic Squad 11. Come and on. then I can go lounge in the sun and drink booze instead of working. <laughs> As it should be. As it should be. <sighs> Alas, though. I think it is time for the end of this episode. Unless either of you has any closing opinions or notes. No, not not this week. Yeah, they, they were kind of just episodes that happened, but they were fun episodes that happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. They um, were ha episodes that happened to us, but the experience was okay. For sure. Um, that being said, though, thank you as always for listening. You can find the show on Twitter at BleachCast. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Pause. Uh, I haven't been lately, but I stream sometimes on Twitch.tv at Lavender Pause with no underscore. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. You can find me on Twitter at MonkeyPyQuinn. That's M-O-N-K-I-P-I-Q-U-I-N-N. 
Thank you, as always, for listening. Love you guys. Just uh, stay cool, Chads, and have a good week. There's no chance against the Women's Soul Reaper Association anyway.